Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. Today, I am so excited to talk to you guys about generosity. Light topic, am I right? (laughs) Um, Also, just fair warning, if you couldn't tell already, I walk a lot. Definitely at least going to do a mile up here today. And um, I use my hands a lot, so just bear with me. I'm Italian, and, you know, at least it's just like a nice kind of workout. You just got to move with me a little bit. But today, I'm going to be talking about generosity. And so we're starting this generosity series, and when Pastor Mike first asked me to preach, I was like, yeah, absolutely, sure. Well, then a few weeks later, he was like, it's, you, you want to start our generosity series? And I was like, what? <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> but, you know, got to be obedient to the Lord and all. And so I am really excited because I felt like God was challenging me around generosity in preparing for this message. And I feel like my tendency is when I hear the word generosity, I immediately think finances. I immediately think, okay, I'm going to be asked to give money and I'm going to be asked to give more than I have. So this is going to be fun. But I feel like what God was challenging with me was generosity doesn't just stop at finances. And if I come into this series and I think this is, you know, a four-week, you know, series just on money, I lose a valuable principle of heaven. I lose a valuable principle from God about the idea of generosity and the lifestyle of generosity that we're called to live. So I'm going to talk to you guys about uh, the story of Joseph, and I'm going to talk to you about how he lived out this lifestyle, this radical lifestyle of generosity. But before I get into it, because I'm a nerd and because I love research, I did, you know, what any millennial does, and I Googled what generosity means. <laughs> so according to Google, generosity is the quality of being generous, the quality of being kind. Generosity means to be liberal in giving, to be open-handed, and it means willing to give more than is necessary or expected. And so as I was looking this up, I was kind of like, okay, God. So, of course, you ask us to be generous with our money, but, but it can't stop there, right, if it's this principle you've called us to. And I felt like God gave me three things that we're called to be generous in, and that's tithes, time, and talents. So our tithe is our finances. Our time is the time that we've been given by God. You know, it's this, this question of, okay, am I going to spend 10 hours binging that new show on Netflix, or and am I going to be generous with my time and wake up two hours early on a Sunday and serve with the most amazing team ever, Team Harbor? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's my people. <laughs> you know, am I going to just go home and commiserate with myself at the end of a long work day, or am I going to be generous with my time and go to a connect group? Am I going to be generous with my time and go serve somewhere? Am I going to be generous with my time and spend an evening or spend dinner with somebody I wouldn't normally spend time with but feel led to, be, to encourage? So am I going to be generous with my time? And lastly, am I going to be generous with my talents? 
You know, your talents are, are, are what you do with your hands. It's, it's what you work with. So if I'm an artist, am I going to be generous with my gifting, with my talent? Am I going to give God glory in it? Am I going to do something with it that ultimately gives him glory back? You know, if I'm a writer, am I going to write unto the Lord? Am I going to write for him? If I'm a businessman, maybe I feel led to spend time with, you know, somebody who's coming up in the business field. Am I going to be generous with what God has gifted me with, the talents that he's gifted me with? Am I going to be generous with those things and ultimately give back? So today... I kind of want to take the focus off of the finances a little bit, the financial end of it, and I want to focus on being generous with our time and with our talents. And I want to look to the story of Joseph because I think, like, taking a step back and just, like, thinking about what we know of Joseph, it doesn't really sound or seem like a story of generosity. At least it didn't to me at first. But I felt like God really challenged me with it, that when I dove deeper into this story of Joseph, that what I found was this man who lived a, a radically generous lifestyle. So if you don't know Joseph, he's found in the Old Testament in Genesis. And basically, Joseph is given this dream as a young boy. He's given two specifically in which basically his family is bowing down to him and essentially like worshiping him. And so Joseph being that awesome, you know, loud mouth that he is, goes right to his family, and instead of holding that dream in, says, hey, brothers, one day, guess what? You are going to bow down to me. Can't wait for that day to happen. So I guess like any normal brothers in like typical family drama, his brothers take him and sell him into slavery in Egypt. Casual, right? <laughs> so now Joseph finds himself in Egypt, and he finds himself in Potiphar's house. And in Potiphar's house, he's given this awesome responsibility of managing the household and managing all of Potiphar's things. And he's entrusted with this responsibility. But Potiphar's wife gets a little crazy one day and essentially accuses him of just some things that he didn't do. And because of that, Potiphar throws him in jail. So Joseph goes from Potiphar's house, now he's in jail for years for something that he didn't do. So he's hanging out in jail. I'm assuming he was very mad about it, not exactly thrilled to be there. And two other prisoners there are like, hey, we've had these dreams. Now Joseph hears the word dream, and he's like, hmm, I've had one before. Fun fact, still holding on to it. And so he ends up interpreting these two men's dreams. And so he says to these guys, hey, just when you leave here, please remember me. Well, one of those guys ends up getting killed. The other one forgets Joseph and then years later ends up remembering him when Pharaoh has a dream and needs it to be interpreted. So now Pharaoh's like, hey, do you know of anybody who can interpret my dream? And this dude's like, yeah, oh, wow, he's going to be mad. But I do know a guy who can interpret a dream for you. And so now Joseph is taken out of prison, and now he's taken into Pharaoh's palace, and now he's asked to pretty much run all of Egypt to be second in command to Pharaoh himself. And what ends up happening is this famine goes across all the land, and Joseph's responsible for all of the materials of Egypt, all of the food, and dispensing all of that. And so what, a few years later, after the famine has already kind of done a lot of damage, his brothers actually show up 
asking for food because the famine was just that bad. His brothers who didn't even know it was Joseph that they were talking to. And then he ends up revealing himself to him. But I want to pick this up in uh, Genesis 39. We're going to look at just some portions of this scripture. But I wanted to kind of give you the full story first so that you understood just exactly what we're reading. So we're going to pick up in Genesis 39, verses 1 through 6, and then 20 to 23. And it said, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. And now in verse 20 to 23, Joseph's in a different situation. Now he's in prison. And it says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And this scripture leads me to my first point, which is that generosity is a lifestyle. You know, I think what we see here in Joseph's life so, so transparently is that regardless of the circumstances Joseph found himself in, he lived a generous lifestyle. And at first, maybe that word generous doesn't pop out at you. But if you look, the, the same exact words that were used to describe Joseph's seasons in Potiphar's house are actually used to describe his season in prison. So it says, you know, Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. There was favor on Joseph. He was blessed. And those same words are now used to describe his prison season. So it literally says the warden put Joseph in charge of all of those held in prison, and he was made responsible for everything done there. There was favor on Joseph's life. Joseph was blessed. Joseph was generous in these seasons with his time and with his talents. And regardless of where he found himself, he lived a generous lifestyle. And I think so transparently, it's, it's Joseph lived generously even when it wasn't comfortable to do so. Even when it didn't seem easy to live this generous lifestyle, Joseph still led it. You know, we look to Potiphar's house, and it's pretty much, so now he's sold into slavery, and he's living in Potiphar's house, and he's, he's responsible for the entire household. And what that looks like to me is getting just close enough to this dream that God's given him. You know, it's just close enough to this idea of people bowing down to him, of him being a leader. It's almost there to the promise of God, but just not actually there. So close he can taste it, but not fully walking in it. And in a moment where he could choose anger, he could choose resentment, he decides to use his time and use his talents generously. 
in a time where he could have just sat back and said, I'll do okay. But I'm in Egypt. This isn't even my homeland. He says, you know what? I'm going to use my time. I'm going to use the time that I have here and use it generously and give back in whatever capacity I have. And I'm going to use what God has entrusted me with, the talents that I have, and I'm going to use them to the best of my ability. I'm going to use them generously to the point where Potiphar's household is actually blessed. There's so much favor on Potiphar's household as a result of Joseph's generosity with his time and his talent. But then on the flip side, we find him in prison for something he didn't do, something he was accused of that was ridiculous. And so now he's sitting in prison. He's sitting in his cell. And I know for me, I think it would be so easy to respond not generously, but to respond with bitterness, to respond with anger, to respond with unforgiveness, to just sit down in that prison cell and have myself a pity party for one. To just sit there and be like, you know what, God, I can't believe you would do this to me. I can't believe I find myself here. You were the one who gave me this vision. You were the one who gave me this dream. Yet here I am in prison for something I didn't even do, just waiting. But instead, Joseph took that season and he lived just as generously as he did in Potiphar's house. He took the time that he had, which I'm sure was a lot in prison. He took the talents that he had. And we know that he was talented with management because he was doing that in Potiphar's house. So he took his talents, he took what he was good at, and he gave generously back. To the point where the prison warden didn't have to worry. Just like Potiphar did not have to worry about his household. The prison warden did not have to worry about what was entrusted to Joseph because Joseph gave back and lived a radically generous lifestyle. He said, I have this time, I have this talent, so I'm going to give generously back to the situation that I'm in. Maybe it's not exactly where I want to be, but I'm going to use it to the best of my abilities and I'm still going to live a radically generous lifestyle. You know, he's so far from anything. He's so far from the vision in prison. He's so far from the dream. And yet he still has the audacity and the faith to believe in God and to live this radically generous lifestyle. And I was so convicted by that because I know for me, I don't know if you can relate, but I tend to ride that pity party train like nobody's business. I'm the one who sits in the seasons and I'm like, God, ugh, are you serious? How can I find myself here? Come on, Jesus. Are you real? Like this isn't, this isn't, this is nuts. But Joseph, who finds himself in prison for something he didn't even do, which is nothing that I can relate to, literally takes a step of faith and he says, you know what, God? You have me here for a reason. And whatever that reason is, I'm going to give back generously with everything that I have, with everything in my hands right now. So maybe he didn't have the finances because he was in prison, but he had time and he had talent. And so what he did was he gave back generously regardless of the season or the situation that he found himself in. And that is such a principle that God was like, I'm asking you to do this, even when it feels uncomfortable, even when you don't feel like being generous, even when you feel like that's the last thing you should do. I'm asking you to move in the opposite spirit. I'm asking you to move contrary to what the world would have you believe. 
which is embrace the comfort. You know, embrace the season. Write out those emotions. No, God asks us to move opposite of that. And Joseph's life is such a testament to that. Regardless of the season, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation, regardless of the emotions we feel, God asks us to move in the opposite spirit and live a radically generous lifestyle. And that leads me to my second point, which is generosity is surrender. And I felt like God hit me with this, like, a generous life is a life lived in absolute surrender. You know, earlier I shared the definitions of, ge- of generous and generosity. And if you were paying attention, one of those definitions was open-handed. And now when we worship, when we worship Jesus, we lift our hands open-handed in an act of surrender. Our open-handedness is our universal sign for surrender. And so right there, God is saying, I'm asking you to just surrender this. You know, I'm asking you to go regardless of the feelings. I'm asking you to go regardless of the emotional roller coaster you may find yourself on. And just to sit in surrender, to live open-handedly with our generosity. Because ultimately, we live generously because of God's generosity. And so why not live open-handedly with our generosity? Why not live open-handed with our time and our talents? Why not live in a place of, you know what, God, you've given me this, and maybe this situation isn't what I want it to be. Maybe this season isn't like I thought it would be, but I'm going to live in surrender to you, knowing you're good, knowing you're faithful, and walking in generosity even when it doesn't seem comfortable, just like Joseph did. You know, I look at his life, and I see total surrender, I had never picked up on, like, the, this, how the same words were used for, like, Potiphar's house and prison before. But the fact that Joseph could literally have his prison season described by favor speaks to radical surrender to me. Radical surrender. And that's why I believe that generosity is a form of surrender. It is a form of open-handedness. And that leads me to my third point, which is generosity is a response. And I'm going to read from Genesis 45, verse 4 to 11, and verse 20. (coughs) Sorry. It says, so Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And now this part of the story is where Joseph's brothers are standing before him, and they're pretty much asking for food now because there's such a severe famine across the land, and they can't support their family anymore. And it says, he says to them, Joseph, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. And there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children. 
and your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. In verse 20, I love this. It says, have no concern for your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Have no concern for your goods, dear brother who sold me into slavery. For the best, the absolute best of all that Egypt has to offer is yours. Now just go with me for a moment and try and like put yourself in these shoes. I mean, if I was being honest with myself and my brother had sold me into slavery, I don't think my first response to him would be like, you know what? Don't even worry about it. Everything amazing, the best that I have will be yours. And I'm sorry if he's watching this. But literally, if, if he did that to me, I think I'd be like, you know what? I think I'm going to throw you in jail for a little bit just so you feel the pain that I felt for the last several years. And you know what? Then maybe I'll be nice to you. Then maybe I'll take you out of prison. You know, Joseph had every right to move in animosity. He had every right by the world standards to move in bitterness and anger. But he chose not to. His response to his brothers, the first time he had seen them after years of potential bitterness building up, of potential unforgiveness building up, was not to move in that, was not to move towards his anger, but it was actually to move in the total opposite way. Have no concern for your goods. Don't even worry about a thing. I will provide for you every single step of the way. No matter what I can do to help, I will do. His response to his brothers was generosity. His response to his brothers showing up was this radical generosity that was so different from what the world would have us to move in. Where he could have been angry, where he could have been bitter, where he could have been mad. I mean, he could have used those years in the jail to just develop that unforgiveness. To just look to his brothers and say, they did this to me. I will never talk to them again. I will never help them out if they come to me in this famine. And he knew the famine was coming because Pharaoh had had a prophetic dream about it. So he knew that he would eventually probably see them. He could have used that time building up his anger, but instead what he decided to do was move in forgiveness. What he decided to do was be radically generous with his forgiveness, with his capacity to forgive them with his capacity to love them. Instead of anger, he actually weeps at the fact that his brothers are before him because he's so excited to see them. Could you imagine? Could you imagine that with me? I mean, that's amazing. That's moving in a radically generous response to a situation that did not seem all that awesome. But because he lived a generous lifestyle, because he lived generously in surrender, he was able to generously respond to his brothers with his time and with his talents. He was able to generously respond to them and say, no matter what, I've got you. No matter what, you'll be protected and you'll be cared for. He actually covers his brother's trek back to pick up their father Israel, 
back to the promised land. He gives them caravans, food, anything that they need. And then he says, and upon your return to Israel, the best of the best will be yours. That is a response of radical generosity. Radical generosity. So I'm going to call the band up. And that leads me to my fourth and my final point. And you know, when I was kind of, when I was sitting before the Lord and I was preparing this message, I was just like, well, like why? I'm a big why person. (laughs) Why should I live a lifestyle of generosity? Why should I respond with generosity? And I felt like what God was saying to me was, you respond with generosity because of my generosity to you. Because of God's generosity with us, our natural response should be one of generosity. Because of God's generosity with us, we should live in absolute surrender. Because of God's generosity with us, we should embrace this lifestyle of generosity that looks past the season, looks past the comfort, and just says, you know what, God, because you are so generous with me, I'm going to live radically generous. You know, Joseph's life, it literally says there in that last scripture, it goes, so it was not you who sent me here, but it was God. Joseph saying, it wasn't you who sent me to Egypt, brothers. It was God who sent me here. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. That's some pretty radical generosity on God's part. You know, because right there, in that moment, as Joseph is describing this to his brothers, Joseph is living out the dream. He's living out the fulfillment of that promise that God made him years before, decades before. He's watching the faithfulness of God unfold right before his eyes. But we shouldn't sell ourselves short and just look at that and say, well, yeah, God's generous. God gave him the provision of the promise. God gave him, you know, the fulfillment of this dream. You know, sometimes... God's generosity doesn't look like we want it to look like. You know, if, if, if I were Joseph and if I were in this situation, I'd be like, okay, God, you know what? I'll struggle for three years. I'll do the whole Egypt thing. But if you could bring it after that three years, that would be great. But Joseph had to endure for years. But those years were indicative of the generosity of God. You know, we look to Potiphar's house where he's living just shy of the promise, just shy of the fulfillment, and that is the generosity of God. You know, we look to his prison seasons and we say, wow, Joseph, it probably couldn't get any worse for you. But that season is the generosity of God. And then we look to him in Pharaoh's palace and we say, that, that is the generosity of our God. But you know, Without Potiphar's house, without prison, Joseph never would have developed this lifestyle of generosity. He never would have developed this lifestyle of surrender. 
this response in generosity with everything that he did and with everything that he had. You know, the generosity of God led him to potentially some of the worst seasons of lack that he could ever experience. But the generosity of God taught him in those moments how to have the character to maintain the promise, how to have the integrity to maintain what was entrusted to him, and how to be able to live out radical generosity despite our comfort, despite his comfort. He was able to look to those seasons and say, you know what, this doesn't feel great, God. I don't exactly love being in prison, but I love you. I worship you. I know you have a plan for me. So despite how I feel right now, I'm going to move in radical generosity because it's what you call me to. Because you were so generous with me that you gave up your one and only son to die on a cross to spend eternity with me. That is the generosity of God. And because he gave up his son, we can only respond with generosity. We can only give back to what he's asking of us because Jesus died for us our radical response should always be generosity because of God's radical act of generosity in that one moment and that moment continues to play out for us those moments in Potiphar's house those moments in prison and those moments where we're living in Pharaoh's palace and the fulfillment of our dreams, the fulfillment of those things that God has placed inside of you. But we sell ourselves short if we're living in Pharaoh's palace and we're not living generously because God has asked us to live radically generous lifestyles and for generosity to be our response in everything. You know, I'm gonna ask you to stand. Before we close out tonight, today. You know, I was so challenged by God with this generosity series because my immediate mind, like I said earlier, goes to money, it goes to finances. And I felt like what God said to me was, you will sell yourself short if you go into these next four weeks and you're only thinking about money. If you're only thinking about your tithe and your finances. Yes, that's a part of generosity. But more than that, he's asking us to be generous with our time and generous with our talents. Generous with what he's entrusted to us. And so I want to encourage you over the next four weeks, let God challenge you in those areas. Let God ask you to move in the opposite spirit, despite how comfortable you might want to be, despite the season that you're in. Ask him to challenge you in generosity over the next few weeks, to be generous with your time and your talents, because he's faithful to answer. But we're gonna pray in a little bit, but before we do, you know, if you're in this room and you're looking at me and you're like, okay, Ali, I don't even know this Jesus guy you're talking about. Um, he sounds cool, but don't really understand why I'm here. I want to encourage you, you're here for a purpose and God brought you here today. And I believe you are here today to make the best decision you could ever make. You know, the Bible says the time is now to say yes to Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to do that. We have a prayer team along the back wall that would love to pray that prayer with you, that would love to explain what that relationship with Jesus means. And I want to encourage you, make that decision. It's the best decision you'll ever make. It's radically transformed my life and it can radically transform yours. But maybe you're standing here today and you're saying, 
generosity. This seems fun. What are we going to do here, Jesus? Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, what time? What talents? I want to encourage you. There is always time. And there is always something that God has entrusted you with that you can be generous with. There's always something. And he's asking you to step out in faith. So we're going to lift our hands and we're going to pray and we're going to believe that God is going to speak to those specific things right now. So Father, I thank you so much for your goodness. Jesus, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. God, I thank you that you were generous with us. God, I thank you that you gave up your one and only son, Jesus, in the ultimate act of generosity. So, Lord, I pray that we would respond radically in generosity to every situation, God, every circumstance, every season we're presented with, Jesus. I pray that we would respond generously, Jesus, and that you would show us the time that we have, God, and you would show us the talents that we have, Jesus, that we can be generous with. So, Lord, we just can commit the next few moments of worship to you, Jesus, praising you, adoring you, knowing that you are good, and surrendering it all to you, Lord. In your mighty and powerful name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.